So the Super Bowl happened a few weeks ago, right? I haven't had a chance to comment on it except bleh. <laughs> except that there's something that I believe, whatever. There's something that I believe can be learned by the team that won, who shall not be named. So the team that won has been like the best team in the National Football League for the last 30 years. Well, it's the truth. It really is the truth. So the thing that can be learned is what makes them good? Okay, besides that, what makes them, what makes them good? And, and truthfully, here's the, here's the funny thing is, that's a, that's a sentiment that's shared by a lot of people because they are so good. So they can't actually be that good. They have to be cheating, right? I mean, they've got the same level of players as most of the teams. There's plenty of parity in the NFL, really, uh, I mean, from year to year. But there seems to be success from year to year. You ever think about that? You ever think about that? Here's, here's one of the things that I believe we can take away from the success. And for you, those of you that are not sports fans or not football fans, hang in there with me. I'll be back in a second. I think what we can actually learn is the way, and I think this is what actually makes them better, is that they pay attention to fundamentals. They pay attention to what are seemingly the small things, techniques, building on what feel like things that are boring. I mean, not the flashy stuff, not the, not the stuff that makes the headlines, but the, the day-to-day, doing your job, doing it well, the, the very details of your job. If you succeed or you excel in the details, you will experience success overall. And that's exactly what they do. They succeed. They are excellent in the details. The small techniques about turning a particular direction before they make a block. The small techniques about making sure that you know exactly what your assignment is. That's what gives them the leg up. But every team could do that, right? Matt, you ask great questions. Every team could do that, yes. But not every team does. Now that formula, I believe, for success, excelling in the details, excelling in the fundamentals, doing the things that seem boring really, really well, I believe that formula for success can be translated into many areas of life. That's why one of the reasons I believe sports and participating in team sports can be great metaphors, can be great teaching uh, places for life. It can actually teach us really important things about life. Um, They can teach us about how we we live out our lives and paying attention to these details. It actually can be translated also into the spiritual realm and into the areas of our faith. Into the areas of our faith. And I believe that if we focus on those fundamentals of our faith, if we focus on the detail aspects of our faith, we're going to grow. We're going to get strong. See, here's what I believe. I believe you're not here because you want to stay weak. That's what I believe. I believe that you came this morning hoping that you could grab onto something that might strengthen your faith, that might draw you closer, that might bring you into some sort of destiny, into some sort of purpose. Am I right? That's why you're here. Whether or not you got drugged here by a friend because you wanted to see someone get baptized. Because I believe that about every single one of us. We want to grow. We want to get better. We want to be stronger. We want to feel stronger every day. And I believe 
that we can take a cue from this sports team that shall not be named and pay attention to the details. And we're going to talk about some of the details, a very important detail over the next few weeks. And that detail is prayer. That detail is prayer. Now, let me step aside for just a second and say, some of you this week might have noticed that there were people walking around town with black marks on their forehead. You might have been one of those folks that had a black mark on your forehead. And you were wondering, maybe if you didn't have the black mark on your forehead, you were wondering what in the heck that's about. This week, Lent began, the season of Lent. It began on Ash Wednesday. This past Wednesday was Ash Wednesday. That is a time where the ashes are imposed, or, or that's the best way to say it, imposed on their forehead in the sign of a cross, and that symbolizes our sin that leads to death. And it, it, it embodies this sort of period of mourning or this time of mourning in that we look, we take just a moment, I, it's a little scary, but we take just a moment and we look inside and we see how dark we can really be. Because it's only in the honest places that we're able to encounter Jesus in a real and powerful way. And man, we're all about honesty. We're all about honesty. So that period began Lent. So what is Lent? Lent comes from a Latin word meaning to lengthen. It actually means to lengthen. It speaks of the lengthening of days that happens. And I believe next week is uh, daylight savings, right? Collective moan, you lose the hour of sleep. Uh, Except that it's going to be, the day is going to be longer, right? It's not going to be dark at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Yay! So we get that side of it. We get that side of it. Unless you have a toddler, and then you go back to, oh. Anyway. So, the lengthening of days. It also, um, something that's associated with spring, lengthening of days. Perhaps your grandmother taught you this. Perhaps your parents taught you this. This is the time where you, what? You fling open the windows, and it's time to spring clean. It's time for spring cleaning. You can finally let all that ugh, yucky, musty, you know, air that's inside of your house because of the furnace that just keeps blowing and recycling that. Bleh. You let open the windows. You open the windows like we've sort of done this morning because it is hot in here. This is just me, I guess. Flannel, so whatever. So you open the windows and it's time to spring clean. So Lent is a, is a time for a, a spiritual spring cleaning. It's a time for spiritual spring cleaning it's a time to as we're cleaning to prepare our hearts for uh, to receive our risen lord jesus christ on easter sunday so it's rich with symbolism it's rich with meaning over the course of lent you may have heard someone say i'm taking a break from social media i'm not eating broccoli I'm not going to, you know, whatever it is. It's also affiliated, associated with, Bob Brett said he's not eating broccoli anymore. So, Bev, there you go. He didn't actually say that. but So, it's this, it's this also associated with this time of, of giving something up. And here's, here's what I, here's one of the things that bother me about Lent. It just seems to be sort of this downer, bleh, time. And I just hear people, you know, as they refer, they think about Lent, well, I've got to give this up, or I'm giving that up. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, if you're giving something up, fine, but what are you giving up for? 
And how about we focus on the what you're giving it up for rather than what you're giving up? Because I think that's where the enemy is. I think the enemy is in that whole mess of, woe is me, I have to you know, not have Skittles for 40 days or whatever it is. I mean, there's some pretty creative stuff out there. You know, I'm not, not drinking coffee, but I'll drink decaf or something. I mean, it's just some, it's one of those things. But how about, rather than, are you guys with me? Because I feel like I'm going on a tangent. Okay, whatever. So, rather than, <laughs> rather, I told you I had a lot to say. Rather than focus on what you're giving up, focus on what you're receiving. If you're, if you're fasting, if you're, if you're doing that this Lent season, then, then that's, that's an encouragement for me. But the, the whole season of Lent is, is this spiritual spring cleaning. It's, it's really centered around three fundamental things. Back to fundamentals. Focusing on fundamentals. Participating um, excellence in the details. It's around three fundamental things. Fasting is one, which we just sort of talked about a little bit. Giving something up. Fasting. Um, the other one is almsgiving or generosity. So it actually sort of ties together with fasting. And so the way that this should work is I'm going to give up something and the money that I would spend on what I'm giving up, I'm going to put towards helping someone. So that's sort of how that works. So you've got fasting, which empowers us to be more generous. And then the third, if you will, tenant of Lent to focus on is prayer. So you have fasting, you have almsgiving or generosity, which you know then makes room for us to pray. To pray. And so that's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. That's what we're going to talk about over the season of Lent. Prayer. How do we pray? How do we pray? What does that, what does that even look like? How, how can we prayer? John Wimber said this, prayer is the door to a deep and satisfying relationship with our Heavenly Father. And who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? But here's what I kind of think. Prayer is like fruitcake. I thought that'd be funnier than what it was. Whatever. So, Matt, why do you think prayer is like fruitcake? Here's why. Here's why. Because everyone has some idea of what it is or some some idea of what a fruitcake kind of is, but not a whole lot of people know what's in it. Not a lot of, not a, yeah, yeah, just that. Not a lot of people know how to make it. Not a lot of people know how to do it. So it, it seems to me, and I didn't grow up in, in a, I grew up in a Christian home, but I didn't grow up in a home where we attended church. So I, I didn't, I wasn't taught how to pray. I didn't know how to pray. I mean, I had an idea and prior to me giving my life to Jesus, the only time that I said the Lord na- Lord's name was not so good. So I knew that it wasn't that. Instinctively, I knew that it wasn't that. But I, I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to pray. And so when I came across this series, this teaching series, I grabbed onto it. I latched onto it. I've taught it here before. And some of you are going to go, Boring. And I will say to you, so what? Because focusing on the details and and being excellent in those fundamentals will help you grow. And if I'm not here to help you grow, then I should leave. Because I am 
very interested and invested in your growth as a follower of Jesus. And prayer is foundational to that. And most people don't know how to pray. Or, and I'm not insulting you, I'm just saying I didn't either. Most of us don't know how to pray effectively where we get to this end of our time. I don't know if you've ever done this before. Somebody encouraged you, maybe a national speaker, perhaps it was me, that encouraged you, take some quiet time, spend some time with God in the morning. And, and you do that, and you, you're, man, you just want to go for it. You want to do that, and you spend about 15, 20, 30 minutes, however long it is, you get to the end of that, and you go, I have no idea what just happened. I have no idea what I just did, except that I could have slept that much longer. And that's just... I think we just miss so much. We just miss so much. So maybe you're like me. Maybe you weren't taught to pray, taught how to pray. I actually have a quick video where I looked for people who were praying. And let's see if one of these ways might be common to how you pray. Be there. Be 
Okay, there's some common ways that we pray, and that's also what happens when you give a 45-year-old pastor an iPhone and let him know that it takes video, <laughs> which is very cool. So if you have a Bible and open it with me, you wouldn't mind. We're going to be in the Psalms. We're going to be in the Psalms. I'm going to teach you how to pray. And I know that sounds extremely arrogant, but it's not. I'm going to teach you the method that I used, the method that I learned to, to pray, and I believe over the course of my life as a follower of Jesus, this has been effective for me, and I have grown as I have learned to pray this way. Psalm 100 is where we're going to be. Psalm 100 is where we're going to be, and I'm going to use an alliteration. I'm going to use a word and, and, and help you connect with it this way, and the way that, the way that I'm going to teach you to pray is using this, this acronym, A-C-T-S-S. <clears throat> A-C-T-S-S. I should have put that on the screen, but I didn't. So if you want to, if you're taking notes, write that down. Just simply A-C-T-S-S. Five words. We'll look each week in different elements of praying and learning to pray effectively. And here's, again, we're focusing on the fundamentals. We're, we're getting excellent in the details, so we're going to simplify this. Here's what I find, and maybe you, maybe you identify with this. Prayer, at times, seems complicated. Or at least, people we believe can pray well, it feels like we can't do that. Sure, we might be able to mutter something before we take a test, mutter something after we've gotten pulled over for speeding. We might be able to, at some point, you know, over a meal, you know, we might be able to do that, but it just seems complicated. But I, and I think that's a part of the tactic of the enemy is to complicate parts of our faith so that it, it just disconnects us, disqualifies us from it. So what I want you to do really quickly, please just indulge me. You don't have to like me or it, but just for the sake of what we're doing this morning. Put your hand out in front of you. Put your hand out in front of you. Now turn it palm to you, palm to you. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to use each finger and a thumb to represent one letter of our effective prayer, okay? One letter of our effective prayer. We're going to start with, and I get this is a churchy word, but it has to fit right because it makes sense. Adoration. Your in index finger is adoration because we're, we're pointing we're lifting God up. Adoration. Number two, as you're looking at that, because this, this will help you as you pray, confession. We'll talk about that. Don't get freaky on me. We'll talk about that next week. All right? Number three is thanksgiving. Number three is thanksgiving. Four, again, because it fits in the acronym, supplication. We'll talk about that. That's basically my needs. Oftentimes, when we pray, we go straight to our needs, and we've missed a lot before then. That's very helpful. And then finally, our thumb is silence. Silence. So if you're writing it down, this is effective. This is going to be helpful to you. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, silence. Five aspects to prayer. Oh, thank you. You're so good. 
They're so good, they take care of me in the booth. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, which is simply just my needs, and then silence. Again, I just want to say to you, in kindness and in love, oftentimes what I would do is skip straight to my need. That makes sense, doesn't it? God, I need this. God, I, I need this job. God, I need my kid to listen. God, I need um, a, a little bit of money to make it through the end of the month. God, I, I need. And that's generally how we think about prayer. Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Matthew 6. Many of you know that as the Lord's Prayer. That is also a very helpful way, obviously, a very helpful, effective way to pray. But I believe it can be contained in this A-C-T-S-S. So this morning we're starting with adoration, which is simply praise. Adoration is simply praise. And I want to see if you pick up on this in Psalm 100. You're following along. Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Who says church should be quiet? Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. And we are his. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. If you just imagine this huge kingdom. The imagery in the Bible is this huge kingdom and the king sitting on the throne. And as you would approach the king, you would do it in an appropriate way. And the appropriate way to approach the king is with thanksgiving. Entering his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Good stuff. Amazing stuff. Truth. Truth laid out in front of us, and that's where we start our prayer. Now, if prayer is new to you, if you've never learned to pray, if never, no one has ever done that, you could simply pray through that and just personalize it. Just personalize it. Use Psalm 100 if, you, if you're not quite sure where to start. God, I know that you're good, so you're going to personalize these things. I know and I'm in verse 3. I know that, that you're the one that made me. I know that I am yours. I know that, that, that I am one of yours. God, I want to come to you with thanksgiving. Not just a day in November anymore. I want to come to you with thanksgiving. I want to come to you, God, with praise on my lips and in my heart. I want to thank you, God, for what you've done. For you are good and your love endures forever. And your faithfulness will continue and has continued from a generation to me and we'll go further and beyond. Man, think about beginning prayer that way. That's where we start. You don't start with your need. You don't start with what's happening around you. You start with who He is. Who He is. And I promise you, as you pray that way, something supernatural happens where you're encouraged and faith begins to rise. Because faith, or excuse me, praise gives us perspective. Praise gives us perspective. And when you begin prayer with perspective, faith goes through the roof. Let me, let me demonstrate. If I just prayed through Psalm 100 and personalized it and, and did it in my own language, actually God loves it when you, when you personalize and you pray prayers that are authentic to how you speak. 
He loves that. So if you don't believe that you speak well, don't worry about it. If you don't exactly know what to say, don't worry about that. Start with that level of thanksgiving in your heart, knowing that God is good, that He is above all things, and that His goodness has gone from generation to generation and will continue throughout the rest of time. Now, measure that prayer against one that says, God, you know, I think I'm supposed to kind of do this, and and maybe you're there listening, and maybe you're not. Maybe you don't even exist. Maybe, I don't know, this seems silly. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you can help. You see the difference there? One has the power to build faith. One isn't sure at all. Which I get it if it's an honest, authentic place to start. I'm not disparaging that. But what I am saying is that one builds faith, one isn't sure. But when I begin with adoration, when I begin with praise, it has this supernatural ability to build faith in my heart. And I can start praying prayers of faith. Faith, Hebrews 11 teaches, is what? The evidence of things I can't see. So even if I can't see it, I can speak it in faith. Come on. That's effective prayer. That's effective prayer. I start with praise. It gives me perspective. We need perspective. In a day and age where the God of the age is who? Me. Where I am elevated above all things. Where my needs, my wants, my desires are elevated above everything. I, I sound like a broken record when I say this, but I think the great sin of the United States is idolatry. And it's idolatry in that we worship ourselves. We worship ourselves. What's important to me? What do I want? Why can't I have it my way? Why do I have to wait five minutes? Everything in our culture is swirling, attaching, promoting ourselves. And what we need is perspective. Because here's what you know deep down inside inherently. You can't do anything to fix what's going on. Oh, you know, there's better decisions that you can make that will help. There are better decisions that you can make that will move you in a particular direction that will have more health around you. But ultimately, and I think you learn this as you get older... You realize how little control you have over anything. And it's frustrating. It's maddening at times. I think that's part of what leads to what they call a midlife crisis, where you get to this spot and you go, what the heck have I been doing? I thought I was doing all this good and this is what happens? Forget it. You know it. I know it deep down inside. And what this adoration or praise does is it brings perspective to us and it allows us to be honest with ourselves as we pray. And it allows, there's just this wonderful relief that comes from not have to having everything figured out. I don't know if you know that sense or not. But where you can say, God, I have no idea. But I know you do. 
and I know you're good, and I know I can trust you. Praise gives us perspective. Praise gives us perspective, and it's where we begin. It's where we begin. I think I've said this before too, but it's really interesting that the Hebrew word for worship is the word that translates back into the English language to be prostrate. So what that means is we are laying flat. We are laying ourselves low before the God of the universe as He alone is worthy to be exalted. It gives us perspective. God, you're in control. It helps us understand that God is not our servant, a genie in the bottle, a lottery ticket, or a slot machine. He is the king. He is the one. Secondly, prayer enforces my need for God. If I begin with adoration, I'm lifting him up. God, you're great. God, you're awesome. God, you can do everything. You can do anything. As I trust you, faith builds. I understand my need for God. Don't we need God? Don't we need God? It's that humility. It's that humility that softens my heart, that allows Him to do some work in my life. But it's resistant. The Bible is very specific. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Translated into prayer, if I understand my need for God, I can be humble. I am being humble. I am asking for His intervention. Or will be as we move further through the prayer. I will be asking for His intervention, but I realize that I need Him. That I need Him to intervene. That I need Him to provide. I realize that I'm not the one in control. I realize that all of my great decisions, while they may bring some level of health in my life, cannot be the answer. It cannot be the answer. If we don't see our need for God, if we don't understand our need for God, prayer is this weird thing, this weird sort of chore or religious activity where we don't really connect with Him. We don't understand. Listen, some of you have kids in this room, and you, you know the heart of your kids when they're asking you for something out of an understanding of the relationship and the need that they have versus trying to simply use you. Newsflash, there will be times in your kid's life where they'll make mistakes and they will try to use you. And you know how you feel. You know why God, I mean, God put those feelings in us so we understand how he relates to us and the dynamic that, that he has with us. So if we feel used, there are times when God feels used too. And prayer is one of those primary avenues where God just feels used. It's like, where are you if you don't need anything? Right? Where are you? And then ultimately that doesn't do us any good. And that's the purpose of what I'm saying. That doesn't do us any good, you know. Might as well talk to the wall. You'll get as much spiritual growth out of that. So pray, praise 
gives us perspective. Praise reinforces my need for God. And finally, praise releases God's goodness into my life. Praise releases God's goodness in my life. Now, don't get twisted and weird on me like it's some sort of secret formula, because that's not what I'm saying. God's goodness is available to me, and I'm, I can be operating in His goodness without realizing it. Prayer, beginning with praise, helps me understand, it helps me realize His goodness in my life when I proclaim those things. A great way to think about prayer and prayer that's effective is alignment. Am I aligning myself with Him? Am I aligning myself? Praise will do that because praise proclaims truth, which positions my heart for then God to just pour out so much more than I could ever ask or imagine. Ephesians. But if I'm aligning somewhere else, God's desire is to pour, and it's what? It's hitting the ground next to me. And maybe I'm getting a few splashes of it here and there, but I'm certainly not bathing in it. The Bible says, how great is the love of the Father that He lavishes, lavishes on us. That He's desiring to pour out. I would venture to say, and again, I'm not being ugly here, but I'm, I'm just venturing to say that most of us in this room would not say that we feel the Father's love being lavished on us. Now we might all say we desire that. But we might not say, you know what, that's the, that's the reality right now. You know what, Matt, I am bathing in this stuff. Woo! It is good. God's love is good. Why is that? It has to do with alignment. It has to do with putting the bucket under the spigot. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> to use Ozarkian terms. Praise will do that. God, you're good. Even just that psalm that we just read. Even just that. God, you're good. I know that you made me. I know that I am yours. This is praise. This is adoration. And it aligns me with him. The truth aligns me with his heart. And it releases His goodness into my life. When I come to God with praise first, praise first, I begin to have a right understanding of who He is. I align myself with Him and I'm able, I'm positioned to then receive His goodness. Now that doesn't mean that we ignore. Listen. And that'd be the last thing that I would ask you to do is just to be uh, disingenuous or ignore difficult situations that you're in. And, and if you were in difficult situations, a prayer might sound like this. God, I don't really understand, but I do trust you. God, I don't really know what's going on, and I'm really in a lot of pain right now. See, that's acknowledging. That's honest. That's good. But I know that you're good. I know that you're faithful. I know that you've been faithful for generations. I know that you'll be faithful for generations further. Faith begins to rise. I begin to see 
him operating. Do you know that when you begin with praise, when you begin with worship, God is then able to show you how he's already been working? And the Bible is very clear that our Father in heaven is always at work. So even in your difficult, dark circumstances, God is at work. And if you focus on the difficult and the, and the dirty and the nasty of the situation, you're going to miss the work. And then faith just gets stuck in neutral. You go, I don't believe this stuff anyway. And then it's just a matter of time before we just continue to separate further and further and further and further and further away. That's the way that it happens. That's the way that it happens. But this season of Lent, what if we committed to focusing on the fundamentals? What if we committed to being an expert in the details? And we grew in prayer. We started somewhere. We marked where we were and we began to grow in prayer. And just using this simple acronym, adoration or praise, confession, which we'll talk about next week. So if you're wondering what we're going to talk about next week, it's confession. But it won't be ugly or weird, okay? So don't skip next Sunday because you're like, I don't want to hear that one. Because we're going to learn next week how confession is actually very good for us and very healthy and helpful for us. In fact, necessary. And then we move to Thanksgiving, supplication, and finally silence. Or shut up, either one. I was just trying to be nice. So that's where we are, learning how to pray, feeling stronger every day, moving towards this amazing time when we get to celebrate together our risen Lord, our risen King.